y'all. Welcome to season six. Season six of This Most Unbelievable Life. I'm Sherry Spiegel. I'm Paul Fitzgerald. We're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Mm. Hello, Dr. Fitzgerald. Hello, Dr. Spiegel. I was going to ask, is this like a rock, paper, scissors situation? Or are we just going to go right in? No, I was ready. It's my turn. I'm surprised as anyone when I find out who's going to talk first. Yeah, sometimes it just depends on like what my mood is like. Sometimes I'll just stare at you until like it bullies you into going first. Yeah, we do this one, two, three, go where and then we like mutually press record buttons on on both of our sides and we start this. Um, Sometimes there's protracted periods of silence before any words (laughs) actually start coming out. It's like, that's a whole interesting uh, relationship right there is what's in that silence of Am I going to go first or you going to go first? This podcast started. We are recording. Right. Well, and I always always get this sense that you want to give me space to go first. And then if I don't, you'll get antsy. And so sometimes I just (laughs) see how long you'll sit in it. Yeah, that might be it too, right? Um, A little bit of a a bit of a standoff here yeah you know, a little bit of a standoff to see who's gonna go yeah. that's uh that's always fun we always do come up with some sort of solution to this and words become said and uh, we're off to the races and here we are yeah it never it never takes very long but i think i don't know i think you and i are pretty quick turn takers i was just recently finishing up a training that I was doing related to nonviolent communication Mm -hmm. uh, that was about interrupting. Um, And some of the participants in that space uh, were talking about the differences they have in their relationships um, based on how much space people need Mm. between turns. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe this makes it hard for you editing our podcast, but I think like we don't leave a lot of space. No, we don't. I was going to say, I don't think we leave any. No. Um, I don't think we leave it. We both just talk for a half an hour at the same time. And then in post-production, we separate it into sentences and things like that. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't tell them our secrets. We're not even here together at the same this, time. This hour-long podcast is actually a half-hour podcast that we add spaces in between our words to every once in a while and in, in an alternating way. How funny is yeah. that? How funny is that? Yeah, I think usually I just wait until I kind of feel like I know how you're going to finish that sentence. And then I just go ahead and start like it's fine. Yeah, I I do this thing, uh, which is a surprise to no one who has listened where it's like I'll finish. But then I'll like, but this other thing, right? And I'll kind of I'll I'll be done and then I'll keep going. Yeah, um, (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to that reminds me of this one time uh, that you and I were at a restaurant and. You said, can I add one more thing? And I said, yes. And then you did. And then you just kept going. And because I don't know what kind of mood I was in. Like, I was just kind of like, let's see how long this goes. Yeah, let's see how long um, this goes. And everything you said was very interesting. But um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting some days you realize that there's a lot, there's a lot pent up in. Uh, and like, you can just take a conversational thread pretty far. Um, and I don't yeah. mean you. I think the you here is like 
me too right yeah, like right. all of a sudden right. i can look at the clock on the podcast uh on the mixer and be like oh i've been talking for like a minute and a half yeah, yeah. and paul's here too <laughs> Yeah, I look at the, I see the audio, the audio streams, right? The WAV files and things like that on the, on Audacity. And <laughs> it's like, some of those turns I make are pretty long, right? We've talked about this in that episode a, yeah. couple, a month or so ago, right? With the, yeah. with the clock timer. Um, yep. <laughs> who's going to run out of time first? Uh, this is not a contest though, uh, to see who can take up the most or the littlest amount of time. This is episode 70. Where are we? 78. 78. That's right. Very cool. Because uh, last week we released an, a talk of mine. So yeah. on that particular podcast, I had way more airtime than you. You did. Um, and it was your suggestion for me to record a little intro yeah. to that, which uh, I was I was happy to do. Um, but... That uh, that was an amazing talk you gave. That was, you know, I said on the on the episode in the intro that it was a a talk you gave for the, you know, so the blah blah blah. Um, the name of the, it was long. It's like what was it uh, April, give or take. Um, yeah, it was for, April 16th. for some writing writing professionals. Uh, you were the plenary speaker for that. You know, it was not like you just submitted something and you talked. Uh, you were invited as the plenary for that. So. Um, I may have undersold it a little bit in the in the intro. Well, there I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a unique conference in some ways in which there were there are kind of multiple plenaries. So, but I was the first, the yeah, first so. plenary. <laughs> um which you know, I don't quite understand. I mean, that format is fine, but it, some of these words, plenary, keynote, keynote blah blah blah. Yeah. I don't know. I was a person who was invited to talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. and compensated for doing so. And compensated for um, so. Yeah, so, I mean, that talk was great because um, it's interesting. I listened to a little bit of it uh, when we started talking about releasing it. I was like, ooh, I should re-listen to this and see how, you know, whether it stands up, whether I'm now embarrassed of it. Mm. Um, but one of the things that I think really stands out to me about that talk is it's ultimately... Um, like kind of me coming to realize that we get to choose our way of being in the world and that choosing is hard, right? Like, yeah, because like moving on your default setting, like it's default. So it's super easy. It's default for um, a reason. You know, it's, de yeah, it's default yeah. for a reason. But, um, but I think a lot of times our ways of being in the world aren't those that serve us best. Um, mm. Those default settings. Um, so I think I've spent like the last, I don't know, few years, uh, we were talking about this earlier, actually, before we started rec recording, I've spent the last couple of years just like excavating my way of being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, excavate you have, and, and I think I have as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've all done a little bit of work during the last 18 months, give or take, um, and uh, if nothing else, this uh, this pandemic has given us a unique opportunity to do some introspection. Yeah. If we were luxuriated with the time and the space occasionally to do that, I know a lot of people were really inconvenienced hard um, with the loss of childcare, with the loss of, you know, social life and being able to do recurring things or things they were accustomed to in their lives that they weren't used to, to sort of blow off steam. It's this, what do I, what do I do in this situation? So we were presented with a different kind of situation where at least 
those uh, we we sort of lost the right to not explore them. Yeah, that's I think. true. And there's some discomfort in that too. Is like um, if I don't give you the choice to make a decision whether or not you want to investigate this now, you, you might end up having to do it anyway. And um, it was a shift for for all of us. And I think it takes a, a shock like the one that we've been through sometimes for folks to um, even realize that a way of being in the world is one that actually is a choice. I think that's the, that's the big shift. That is the, that is the enlightenment to be found. It's, it's, it's like I, all the, all this work that we could do to try to, you know, be our best selves and, you know, represent ourselves as best we can, blah, blah, blah. All that is, is fine. You know, that's not the, and, and we can do things to practice improvement in, in a variety of ways within right. that. I think for a lot of folks, the big, what, you know, the big leap is in realizing that that actually is a choice that you get to make. You know, you actually can make some decisions on how you're going to relate to the the world around you and yourself in it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of times where I'll hear people say things like, well, you know who I, you know how I am. Well, this is just the way I am. You know, those kinds of things as though, as though certain properties of yourself are just like, like they're a prison sentence. Like, yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of ways of being do really feel cooked in. Um, and that's why I used the word excavate earlier. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I when I went on the silent retreat, um, what was that? Two months ago now. Um, one of the things I became really aware of is how much fear was a dominant part of my way of being in the world. Like I moved through the world with fear being my default setting. Um, like I would get up in the morning and it was almost like, well, what do I have to be afraid of today? (laughs) Right. Right. Right? Like, let me scroll through my social media or my news app and find more things to be afraid of. Um, let me Google every symptom I've ever had so I can be afraid of my body. Like, yeah, right. Right. And, and I think a lot of people, might find some recognition in that i think especially um you know as we're living through a pandemic as the news is what it is um you can choose fear pretty pretty easily um it's not that there is a lack of buffet items to choose from yeah i I think if you don't if if who who would who yeah. would? Who would choose fear as the way to to start? You know, who would choose fear as their baseline? Um, maybe there's some long suffering folks out there who who make that decision. That's fine. Right. Um, but if waking waking up neutral, you know, uh, sort of sort of baseline body centered hypochondria with a side of morning news telling us what we should be concerned about today is enough to wire that in, mm-hmm. you know, as a baseline for sure. And so, you know, I'm going to watch the news or read the, read the news in the morning and find out what I'm supposed to be concerned about uh, because it's so, it's so rarely good that gets airplay and clicks and things like that. Um, and, you know, that day after day after day is certainly going to wire 
yeah. I think some some patterns of thinking in in anyone to the point where it's like no you don't have to think about it it's, it's going to be the way that it is and one of my um I almost said favorite maybe it's my, my one of my least favorite things that well if you're in a conversation with me and you want the conversation to I've done that many times yeah 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 such as right now mm-hmm. and um you want the conversation to become to a, like a screeching halt well, I'll do a patented Paul version of whoa, 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 hang on a second. Whoa, whoa, let's let's hang on for a second. That would be somebody um that would be somebody saying to me, This person makes me and then fill in the blank. This person makes me mad. This person makes me happy. This person makes me frustrated. This person makes me you know, whatever it might be, good or bad, easy or difficult, neutral, whatever it would would be, you know, and I was like, hang on a second, hang on a second, you know, and what comes out of my mouth after that, some people just find unbelievable, which is why do you give your power away like that? You know, why are you giving your, why'd you give your power away to that person? Like, what are you talking about? It's like, that person is not making you mad. Mm-hmm. That's not that person that's doing that. That's you. And you can make a choice in this. Mm-hmm. And it's true for the good stuff, too. Um, you know, I think as a person who spent very little time alone most of her life, um, I think I spent a lot of time thinking about, um, like, happiness and safety as being things that are constructed by other people for me to experience. Uh So like this person makes me feel safe. This Mm -hmm. person makes me happy. Um, And it was like a real rude awakening the day I realized, yeah, um, no one else is going to make me feel safe in this Mm -hmm. life. Um, And I mean, there's a lot of things that make me feel unsafe, but one of the things that's true is I'm the only person who knows when the trigger like happens, when the flip switches or the, when the flip switches, when the the switch switch flips, does it work both ways? You could have just gone on and I never would have thought twice about it. So maybe it does. Maybe it does. Um, But whatever, you know, as we flip the switch, um, when that happens within me, I'm the only one that knows. Um, I'm the only one who knows where the switch is. Um, so because of that, like, I'm kind of responsible for managing how it gets flipped, right? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, that's not to say, like, you know, I can't be afraid unless I give other people permission to make me feel, you know, like, it's not that exactly, but it's, um... You know, the other day I was with a friend of mine and he asked, um, what's missing in this moment? Right. Mm. And, you know, the answer was nothing. Like we were sitting on a beach. Um, yeah, we were about right. to go to a show. Like absolutely nothing was missing in this moment. Except actually, technically, my husband's glasses because he had right. lost them in the water. <laughs> but I mean, for, but, you know, even that, like he was still fine. Right. Um, yeah. And he knew exactly where they were. They were in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So I think that that's like a healthy thing to be able to do is to like sit and ask like what's missing in this moment. Right. Um, For me, who's always kind of struggled with fear and a lack of safety, um, one of the questions I've come to ask myself is 
what is there to be afraid of in this moment? Mm. Right? Like right now. Um, Mm. And so like, I'll do a little look around and, you know, a lot of times I'm not being attacked by cheetahs. Like more often than not. It's only been that couple of times. Just the couple. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that cheetah oftentimes wears like wears like a professional suit and things like that when they when they do it. Um but yeah, so people you know when they when they talk about or when they ask me about, you know, how that how that kind of that change can get made, right? Just from going from the world is something that's that's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Cuz that that's ultimately what this is. It, it's a it's a difference between the world is happening to me versus I'm participating in in the experience that is happening around me. And right. that's a it's like it sounds like a little semantic thing. It is not, right? I mean, that's the difference between everything and nothing, mm-hmm. if you ask me, right? Um, and how do you how do you do it? You know, how do you actually start to make that that kind of that change to where you're starting to realize that more is up to you than you may have given it credit for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I start with let's talk about the way that you talk about things. Right. You know, what are the words you use? Because your words betray you um, and, and how you're really feeling about stuff. If you say this person makes me mad and it's like, well, what I really meant was, you know, it's like, no, you meant that you put the responsibility of your mental state and your anger. You gave that to another person mm-hmm. and they're misusing it. And and the answer is to take it back. Right. You know, the answer is to take it back. And that doesn't mean you can't be friends or whatever, whatever, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's shifting and it's okay to be mad. I mean, I get mad sometimes. Everybody does, you know, the result of this is not that you're not going to get mad every once in a while. The result of this is this person is doing these things and I'm feeling some anger Mm -hmm. because of it. What's going on within me? That's, that's listening that response. And is this response appropriate? And what do I do about it? Right. Well, and I think the other part of that is, you know, in addition to owning the fact that we have responsibility over these things um, and the fact that the language we use matters, um, if we use language that's negative in describing the experience of anger versus when we use like positive language, Mm -hmm. like so instead of I don't like it when he slams the door right? Like, that's what you don't like. Um, that all that does is focus on the behavior of someone else. Mm -hmm. But if you reframe it in a positive, like, like, what do you like? What do you want to happen instead? What would make you feel better? Like, um, I enjoy being able to feel ease and comfort in my home. That's what I like. Right. And so you can understand that a slamming door doesn't help you feel the way you want to feel. Right. Right. Um, But then that gets at the need. Like, you don't need someone to stop slamming a door. What you need is ease. Yeah. Um, And so it changes the conversation away from, you know, stop being an, you know, an asshole who doesn't care about me to can you help me feel ease? Right. Um. And but it it is still on you, like, um, you know, like whatever it is that's angering you, it's it's about what's happening within you. Yeah. Um. So even if the door slamming does upset you, like, 
So what happens when you pause and then a couple seconds later, like how long does that pain go on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's reaction versus uh, response. Because that's it. I mean, ultimately, because I mean, you think about what the, the observation here is that the door has been slammed. Yeah. You know, it's, let's start there. It's like, wow, the door has been slammed and it has been slammed by this person. And I'm finding that I'm finding that observation to be somewhat challenging in the way that I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. What 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 of my needs, preferences, what of my pref, my, my preferred ways that I want to be right now in the context I am like what of who I am right now is being challenged or threatened by that observation? Yeah, you know, and it is like I I I shouldn't have to feel threatened at home. I, I, this is a place where I should feel at ease. Um, how do I, how do I start that? How do I, how do I address or redress this? Um, I'll start with the person with an inquiry of myself as I've just done. And, uh, I will then begin a calm inquiry with the causative agent of the door slamming, which I think was this other person <laughs> yeah. who I'm not going to go and yell at, right? I'm just like, I notice you slam the door, you know, and uh, what's, what's, you know. Right. What's, what's, clearly well, there's something going on. Let's have a chat, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing to be done in that situation is if you notice, ooh, I really like ease. And in that moment, I didn't experience that. Then the next like thought can be, is there something else I can do that's going to help give me ease in this moment. Like, what can I do? Can I, you know, snuggle up on a blanket for a second? Like, because the door has been slammed. You can't unslam it. Yeah, right. Right? So how do you get a little bit of ease? Get that need met. Like, because, you know, especially, like, because I startle pretty easily. Um, Mm -hmm. Eric does not slam doors, though. I would like that to be on record. This is a hypothetical. Um. But, um, you know, like if you, if you can identify the need and tend to it and then you can think about, okay, like now what do I need from this person? Do it, mm-hmm. you know, is there a need there or is it just, Ooh, ugh, I didn't like that. Now it's over. Now it's over. I found that uh, my ability to respond in situations like that are more productive when I take a second. Yeah. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I just, you know what, I'm just going to like hang out just for a second and do a little scan, get my body straight, and then I'll go from there, right? The odds yeah. of me doing something productive or at least not making it worse goes up significantly if I do exactly that. It's like I'm going to get a drink of water, mm-hmm. take a couple of breaths, and we can sort of go, yeah. go from there. Yeah. And, you know, in in that pause, one realizes that this person didn't make me mad. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you, you can't do anything about that other person. What you can do is about yourself. And your way of being can be unwound from I'm going to react and, bah, you know, all over this person too. You know what? I'm going to pause for a second, take some responsibility for myself and go with what's best how do i how do i take my way of being in this world um convert it into how i feel how i relate what i'm gonna do right right yeah i mean it's so interesting 
like just observing how much control one really does have. Like, um, you know, when Eric lost his glasses in the ocean a couple of days ago, um, last week, like I knew, like I could almost watch myself responding to that situation. I could watch myself watching him respond to that situation. Mm hmm. And I know that if that had happened a year ago, he and I would have melted down. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, And, like, we were in the water and he was like, my glasses are gone. Shit. And then, like, I mean, he spent two days without him. I ended up being his eyes for the most part. Mm. And I kept checking, like, are you okay? Are you? Yeah. Like, you know. It is what it is. Like, you know, we could either spend a lot of time and energy being, like, upset about the fact that this th- this inconvenient thing happened, or we can just still stay in the vacation mode. Yeah. And just right. enjoy that. Like, this, well, this is our world now, so yeah. what are we going to yeah, do? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so any time spent, I mean... We were in the ocean. Like, yeah. we weren't getting those back. No, no, probably not. Probably you know, not. So. To get a dredger out, get uh, James Cameron to come and find him or something, you know? Yeah, like something I saw on the internet was like, Pop well, power. you can contact the local metal detector group yeah, right. and see if they can find it. <laughs> You're going to have to call professionals. To, yeah, yeah. For, for that. And, and I kept unlikely. like, there were some really big seagulls there. And I really just kept wanting to walk out and like find a seagull wearing his glasses. Yeah, yeah. Like Thinking that him. it was the best day ever because now he can finally see. Yeah, like <laughs> just my prescription. <laughs> I can get all the French fries on the boardwalk yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It is curious, yeah. though. Yeah, it is curious. Well, it, it's good to not freak out. Yes. You know, if I mean, if if that, I mean that that is again. I think you and I have talked about this too. Um, if that's a skill that people can learn, you know, whatever happens, just don't freak out. Yeah. You know, pay attention and don't freak out. Well, and, you know, that's the other thing that I used to do a lot is not only would I freak out, um, but I would do this thing that would cause me to re-experience the freak out over and over. Mm. You know, so it's not enough, like, that Eric lost his glasses, for example. But I would do this thing where something unfortunate would happen and then I would tell the story over and over and over again. Um and so in this particular case, the only person we told was our friend who was with us because, yeah, right. you know, he saw Eric before and he saw Eric after. <laughs> He's going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and Eric wasn't going to be driving after that. Um, you know, but normally I like, I don't even think I told you about it until like after no, we got yeah, home. Yeah, you got back. Yeah. I was like, oh. yes. Like we had a great trip. Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah. you might notice Eric's wearing his old glasses. Um. It didn't become the trip, you know, it didn't become the whole week. It didn't become the whole. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that happened is the Airbnb that we stayed at was absolutely abysmal. It was not as promised at all. (laughs) Um, And I'm currently going through the the motions to try to get a partial refund. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was that bad. Um, But it was also walking distance to the beach. Um, And so it's like, Yeah. yeah, I couldn't use the microwave. But I could walk to the beach. There's an upside. So, um, yeah, it's just like you get to choose. 
It's not whether or not you were going to microwave something, though. Yeah. That's true. I'm sure I could have found a microwave. Yeah, you probably could have, I'm sure. But yeah. I've had a couple of conversations lately with folks um, who are kind of going through some observations about uh, stuff that might be happening. This, I mean, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> listener, just so you know, there's a lot going on these days. <laughs> if you had not known that yet, uh, there, there it is. Your public service announcement for the day. What I love about that is even if somebody listens to this in three years, that'll still be yeah, true. Yeah, it'll still be true. So what can I say, folks? Stuff happens. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, stuff that they know, stuff that they know well, nothing that's not being anticipated but still it arising with fear with, with like people they're saying, it's like they're, they're scared about this thing. They have, they're harboring a lot of fear mm-hmm. um, about this thing that's about to happen. Mostly um, sort of in the context of uh, being in a large, large or moderatized groups of people again, mm. right. Coming sort of coming out of a state of sequestering, you know, from the pandemic and now once again by either choice or coercion or that's just the way things sort of have to be, they're finding themselves going to a situation where they're going to be around a lot of people again. And and that's bringing up uh, some, I, you know, I sort of want to kind of moderate it a little bit and say hesitancy, but that's not the word they're using, mm-hmm. right? They're saying they're scared. You yeah. know, they're feeling a lot of fear, you know, and there there's... The, the phrase scared shitless was one that someone used. Um, really afraid was something that somebody else said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and so it was pronounced enough that they're bringing it up without me asking. It's like I'm getting a text in the, <laughs> you know, at 11 o'clock at night or, you know, five o'clock in the morning from somebody, you know, saying yeah. that they're really scared. And, then it's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I've done this before, but you know, I'm really freaked out. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really fearing, feeling scared and some fear about this. And uh, what does one do? You know, and, and I have my way of approaching that conversation with them. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think one of my thoughts kind of relates back to our episode from a couple weeks ago where we talked about like, there is no more going back, right? Yeah. And I think thinking about people's conditioned responses, I think by the time there's a lot of things that we just got super in routine with. And when there's no break in that routine, it's just we're we're not even thinking about the the trickier parts of it. We're just we're doing the routine, we're doing the thing we've always done. Um, but then when there's a break in that and then there's a return to it in some sort of new condition, it naturally feels different. And I think different unknown can be kind of nervy. Um, it's kind of like, you know, I learned to ride a bike when I was a kid and I got comfortable with that. And then I didn't ride a bike for a while. And then I, instead of riding, you know, in Chesapeake, which is sea level and very, very flat. Yeah. Riding a bike here in Northern Virginia where there are hills and there's elevation, it's a different experience. Yeah. yeah um, so you're not going to have the same experience you once had. And you don't know what the properties of the new experience are going to be like. How is it 
going to be hard? What parts of it are going to feel uncomfortable? There are so many question marks, I think. And because of that, people feel like they can't control their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. That's my take is that it's really hard to know what things are going to look like and feel like because so much has changed. Um, because I mean, things like mask mandates are still changing week to week. Yeah. Um, the Delta variant is like surging for all we know, we could end up back at home again. Like there's just so much unknown. You're freaking me out. You're freaking me out. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry. You know, like there's just so much unknown. Oh my Um, God. And so, you know, I think my approach to it at this point is to realize, yes, absolutely everything is beyond your control. Just roll with yeah, it. Right. But that's not right, settling right. for people. It's not settling for people. And it's it's not uh, – that becoming something that's settling for me is something that took a little bit of, of time, about yeah. 50 years, to be honest. So if you start now by 2071, maybe you're a quicker study than I am. Uh, but nobody wants to think that. Nobody yeah. wants. No, I mean, who who would want to agree with? Who would want to agree with that? That by the way, nothing is under your control, and you're completely power, powerless. Good news, everyone. Right? You're completely powerless to this situation. But I have good news, folks. You're completely powerless to this situation. You know, um, there's 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 precious few things that you can do. One of them is. You know, start with your your skin and work your way inward and say, what can I do here? How can I, what what can I really do here? And one of the things that I think folks can do is get some awareness of how, of, of what is showing up for them moment to moment and mm-hmm. respond accordingly. And um, I think that it's promising if you're still alive today. Um, so if you're not, this might not be applicable to you, <laughs> but <if> you, <laughs> sometimes I catch myself in these irony is like, yeah, you know, you probably are alive if you're listening to this. I, I suspect that's probably true. I don't think our podcast is big with ghosts. Yeah. You've so, um, I don't know. There's an untapped market there. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. uh, you've survived this. So it's like every, everything that you've been through in your life so far, you have found a way to survive it. You know, it might not have been fun or or maybe some parts of it were, but you don't underestimate your ability to respond to things Mm -hmm. because, you know, your ability to respond to things in ways that led you to still be in a position where you're anticipating things happening for better or for worse. And you, you have an emotional or body-based response to those things as you relate to them. I mean, that's promising, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's promising. I mean, give yourself some credit. You know, you're you're still here. And um, that's, it, it's like, you don't have to do anything magical. You can start right there mm-hmm. and come up with some good stuff. What is this fear, though, that I'm, that, that I'm feeling? What is this fear that, that someone might be feeling and this unexpected so, stuff that, that comes up? And that's a co- separate conversation, which we can sort of take apart a little bit about what that fear really is, mm-hmm. and what it really represents. But it doesn't necessarily have to be something bad that means that something is wrong that we therefore need to chase chase away or we need to find a way to get rid of it or we need to bury it or we need to you know beat ourselves up for the uh, perceived idiocy of feeling why am i afraid of this i've done it before it's like well you just are so what 
So what wisdom can we bring to this? Let's have some compassion for how we feel and what wisdom can we bring to it? And let it, you know, if it's there, yeah. you might as well hang out. Yeah. Well, it, came, it, it came all this way. Yeah. To see you, you know, why not hang out? <laughs> yeah. Make it some tea. Make it some tea. Sit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that idea of thinking about what you have navigated before um, and drawing upon that that resource bank, one, just, yeah, because you have survived. Um, and, like, one of the things that I'm trying to get a little more comfortable with myself is just thinking about, like, when fear does manifest, trying to find ways to figure out, like, okay, well how have I navigated fear in the past? Like, what does that look like? Right. Um, and what I do know is that in my experience and other people might be different. Um, in most of my adult life, if I le- have let my fear win, um, and it, I let it keep me from doing something, that thing becomes like a big unknown. Yeah. But if I can find ways to push past my fear, it, it is almost always better than I expect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I would say yeah. the same thing. I mean, it's 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 like I don't know if I could. I mean, I could I can I can think of of times that I've been afraid of something or afraid to do something and either did it or 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 didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I really can't speak to what would have happened if I would have done the things that I didn't, but I can speak to the outcomes of the things that I I did, regardless yeah. of the fear, right? And it's like, uh, I it's I mean it, it's not science. I mean I don't have a control group that I can really have a basis of comparison with in this universe, but uh, they seem to go well, and I, <laughs> in in hindsight, it's like yeah. I, I'd probably do the same thing again. And it like nothing catastrophic happened. It's like, I'm really afraid to do this. Oh my God, should I do it? And the answer was, yeah, I should. And I did. And like, it seemed to go, okay. I don't know. I'm sort Mm -hmm. of glad that I did. Cause I mean, it feels like uh, accomplishment or, or, or being proud of being, of doing something, I guess. Mm-hmm. It takes guts to drop a graduate school application in the mailbox. I mean, it, it takes guts to eat puffer fish. It takes, <laughs> I, I guess those are different experiences. I'm not sure. I mean, it, it takes guts to, you know, ride all the roller coasters on the Las Vegas Strip on your 40th birthday. Would I do that again? No, I would. <laughs> I've, I've become not a fan of heights. Uh, and and yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's for the young. What can I say? Um but I did, and it's like, yeah, it was cool. I did it, and I was, I didn't, I, did I enjoy it? I'm not sure, but uh, it, it seemed like a, a hoot at the time. Um, I don't like heights. Yeah, that's just out there. It's like I don't, I don't love it. And the most, like, I, I think the most terrifying experience I've ever had in my life. And uh, if you've if you've talked to me about uh, about what I fear, you may have heard this story before. Uh, we were in London. Uh, I guess when I was a graduate student, it was probably about almost 15 or 20 years ago at this point. I was doing some some work at the museum over there, the Natural History Museum in London. And so on the weekends, you do a little visiting of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we went up to the, to the top of St. Paul's Cathedral. 
And if anybody has ever been there and done that, on the way up, you're going up this steel great staircase between the inner dome and the outer dome of St. Paul's. And it's like, you can look down through the grate. I'm getting twitchy just talking about it. You can mm-hmm. look down through this through the grate of the steps because they're like, it's it's like the, the sidewalk grates, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's a couple hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like... Uh, and it's like, if I go off of these stairs, I'm going to go right through that inner inner thing. And then it's about 200 foot drop to a marble floor. And there might be services going on. I'm not sure. And it would be really embarrassing if I did that. It's like some, <clears throat> some dude just like falls through the ceiling of St. Paul's. Embarrassing the is the word you, you choose here. Just go on. Yeah, but it's like, I'm di- gonna... you know, fear of dying. It's like, that's one thing. But fear oh, of rats. embarrassment. I look like is, an idiot. <laughs> I look like an idiot. You know, hopefully I wore clean underwear for this because I'm going to f- die on the floor of St. Paul's after falling through the ceiling um i just didn't love it it's like it was it was everything i could do to get my leg to to go from one step to the next i was like on the holding onto the railing like trying to act all cool you know because there were people behind me and stuff it's like yep we're just gonna walk up these stairs it's gonna be (laughs) fine and it's like whoa boy i don't want to know what my blood pressure was at the time but it was high it's like once i got up to the top of it and was outside i was fine but it was like it was such a wild observation because it was like I'm standing at the bottom of these stairs, and I'm and I, you know I'm I'm gonna start going up these stairs, and it's like I'm noticing that my legs don't move. It's like I'm noticing that there's no real internal, internally normal effort free thing that I can do to physically get my legs to move. Uh-huh. At that is won't do it weird and it's like when i was a kid i was fine with heights it's like oh no i was fine i was fine you know but it's like the older i get it's like i don't know just don't love them Uh airplanes i'm fine so it's not like it's 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 something about being looking yeah looking down something about looking down and just don't i'm starting to not love it and is that fear it's phobia fine i get it um but with any of this i think the same the same approach can sort of be be taken. It's like, wow, this is curious. I'm a little freaked out right now. This is, hang on a minute. What's really happening here? Am I in immediate physical danger here? You know, no, I'm not. You know, what am I really afraid of here? And with, with the height phobia thing, uh, the answer is I really have no idea what it would be but the anxiety that comes along with um putting yourself out there going under the limb um you're going to do something that that's going to be challenging if you do it right i mean college isn't supposed to be easy you're supposed to learn stuff and learning is uncomfortable Uh um, because it challenges who we are a little bit if we do it right um the my failure may be a public spectacle and my parents and everybody are expecting me to do well and blah, 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 you know, all the, all the sort of junk kind of gets tied in. Yet you're this physical body having this pseudo spiritual experience and whatever happens, you're going to have to move your body in a particular way to achieve or not an outcome. So how do I move my body now in a way that is productive? Mm-hmm in spite of the fact that this doesn't feel particularly easy what I'm what I'm trying to do. And uh it's not always easy. It's not always easy. No, it's not. And I mean not 
I think one of the hard things about fear is it's not always rational, right? And yeah, I think that's part of yeah. what we re- many people probably have a real lack of tolerance for is um, like you can you know you're going up those stairs and you know probably that many people have gone up and down those stairs and few of them have found themselves on the floor of the cathedral right (laughs) very the body shape a body shaped hole in the ceiling you know is where yeah it's funny uh when we went to hershey park um we rode a few roller coasters before it started lightning or whatever um, right 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 last week while i was on vacation and one of the coasters we went on uh, they were, you know, checking everybody's harness individually uh, right before we went. And this woman, like, she checks mine. And I don't know why she said this to me, but she said, you're in there. It's not going to feel like it. But don't worry. You're you're in there. Pardon me? <laughs> <laughs> and Excuse the coaster me? was fun. But I will tell you that I white knuckled that harness yeah, like right. I never have before. <laughs> and at no point did my body actually feel like I was going to come out of that harness. But because she had said it to me, I was just like, wait, is that, is that a thing I should be concerned about? Like this happened before is this right? Like, (laughs) and then I was thinking to myself, how many times have I heard about people flying out of, you know, the harness on this particular ride? And, um, I don't want to hear it. Okay. Um, but I like, it was, um, and in a big part of um, my whole experience was, you know, I was with um, my husband and our friend Ryan, and my whole thought was, Sherry, you've got to hang on tight because it would totally ruin their day if you flew yeah. out of this. Yeah, yeah, coaster. it's so interesting. Yeah, because it's it's so often um, ultimately be it is about other people. You know, yeah. it's like it would really ruin people's day if I fell through this the ceiling of St. Paul's Cathedral. Right. Um, if I got went to if I went to college if i went to university or whatever and got uh, a bunch of f's and things that would really be inconvenient for other people and i would have to like tell them and it would suck and it would oh they're gonna find out and it threatens my opinion of myself and you know clearly i'm an absolute failure and everything that i you know and it just Mm -hmm. snowballs into this all the all this kind of stuff or not you know um it's paying the consequences for the what if, even though it hasn't happened yet and, and yeah. probably won't, you know? So it's like the the amount of suffering that I was doing, anticipating falling through the roof of St. Paul's Cathedral was probably greater than the actual suffering that I would have done had I done it, you know? Because it's yeah. like if I would, <laughs> you know, because it's like I'm going to go ahead and get the get the suffering out of the way so it's not as bad when I actually do it. Um, so it's like you, you, you go through the emotional burden even yeah. though it hasn't actually happened and might not and most likely won't in, in both of our cases here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Um, you know, what we're afraid of in proportion to like, what are the actual circumstances of reality? It's yeah. so interesting. You know, right. the other thing we, I mean, we were on the beach and being a ginger haired woman, um, I have spent remarkably little time at the beach, right? Like, mm-hmm. because um, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was always terrified of getting burnt, um, which is a real fear, right? Yeah, it is a real fear, yeah. Um, sure. 
And then I, I grew up with pools in the backyard, so I was really afraid of what lurks in the ocean floor, um, <laughs> right? And then, you know, being a human woman in the world, like, you, there are all sorts of things one can worry about going to the beach and bringing their their fleshy human body with them. Yeah, right. Um, and so this time around, though... Um, you know, I just kind of didn't bring a lot of that baggage with me. Um, what I did bring was sunscreen. And, you know, the beaches that we were at were actually, you know, pretty sandy and nice and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because I just went to the beach, enjoyed myself, whatever. And it occurred to me later how little people really look at one another on the beach, right? Yeah. Like, you're you're not really scoping each other out too much. Um and I think one of my big fears had always been that I would be, like, judged by other people on the beach. And um, earlier this week, you and I had a Zoom call. And then the next day, I realized that I could not remember whether you had shaved. Like, I was like, I know I was on the call with Paul. Hmm. Does he still have facial hair? Did he shave? And I just could not remember. And it's like... If I can't remember what your face looks like, you know, yeah, one of the dearest right. humans to me, after spending two hours looking at you. Yeah, right. I think the randos on the beach are not thinking thinking much, right? No, they're probably not. No, they're probably yeah. not. Um, they're probably not. But, the, you know, the fear. The fear is there. The fear is there. And so what is to be, what is to be done with it? And, you know, there are... Um, Folks, I think I've argued it myself on on one or two occasion that like anything that you experience in this world, any anything that moves through where uh, a string gets plucked, you know, on any sensory thought, feeling, emotion, whatever it might be, just about everything can get boiled down to either love or fear. It's it's like there are these two ultra primal. I may or may not be right about correct about that, you know, but it's like I'm not the only person who have said this though. Um, it's like everything's either love or fear, you know. You either do something or something happens, or you you decide to do this thing. It's either the carrot or the stick. You're running towards something, or you're running away from something. Uh, it's, it's one or the other, and um, that's that paints with such broad strokes that it's not always helpful, you know. But when when talking about fear. It is one of these primal things. And um, why do you feel it? It's like that's probably one of the first human emotional things. Well, it's probably pre-human. I mean, it, it'd be a, a, a tough case to make for somebody to say that, you know, other other animals don't have fear. Of course they do. You know, you cats do. Kittens? Dogs do. Yeah. I mean, every mammals do. Birds, I'm sure, do. You know, they have a physiological response to difficult situations that that might be threatening. I mean, a lot of things feel fear, um, I think. So, I mean, when you when you go through the 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 list of things that we might the, the what is it the emotions mm -hmm. from the nonviolent communication list, right? Mm -hmm. Of emotion of things you might be feeling. Um, there's a, what 120. I mean, there, there's hundreds. Yeah of emotional states that could be described and nuanced out. Um, a lot of those are, are, are very nuanced. They're very, they're very fine needled, so to speak. You know, is this, is this apprehension or is it 
this very close first cousin to it, you know, um, am I hesitant or am I lethar? You know, um, fear's not subtle, Uh -uh. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these foundational emotions that, that relate not to, um, inconvenience, but to survival itself, you know, it's like, if it's, if it's inconvenient that I fall through, St. Paul's ceiling or if it's inconvenient that you know glasses are lost in the ocean if it's inconvenient that I get a C instead of an A in this class that's fine but it doesn't feel like wow that could be inconvenient it feels like fear yeah you know so it's it's primal identity and and view of self that is being threatened mm-hmm. with things some of which might be a little more riskier than others, but some are not. Yeah. Well, I mean, fear is fear, just like anger, just like shame. I mean, it's instructive, right? Like if fear is talking to you, it has something to say. With your identity, right? And with your, or your physical person, you know, some foundational part of you. Right. And you may not be able to uncover it, but like whatever that fear is, probably is trying to keep you alive. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, this is like, how do I survive on the African savannas 200,000 years ago? It's like, there are lions, there are hyenas, there are, you know, things out there, there are venomous snakes, there are parasites yeah. there are you know i mean there are things out there that literally will physically kill you right well and i mean in that respect like the fear like oh glass is gone i won't be able to see the herd to stay with them to s- stay safe you right. know right um that see oh you know if i don't do well then i won't be perceived as being worthy of being part of the herd mm-hmm. i mean you know it all makes sense Except um, we're not actually herd animals. I think like we ex- we can extend a lot more. I don't know. Like maybe maybe this is just really Pollyanna, but I just think given the opportunity, we can take better care of ourselves and one another than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. So like you get a C in a college class what's really going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, um, how will you learn to accept the human that you are as a person who got a C in a class? You know, I used to spend a lot of time trying to, like, hide, like, hide parts of myself. Like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm the kind of person who blank. Mm-hmm. And I've really started responding to myself when I say that kind of thing with, well, Sherry, you are the kind of person who... yeah does that right yeah yeah yeah. um like if i can accept that and have compassion with myself for the fact that yep you know what sometimes you do have dirty dishes in your sink Mm -hmm. if i can accept myself for it then i i don't know it just makes the fear of the judgment the fear of whatever it is we're running from yeah easier to swallow yeah and you know it is it has been said that the strongest of all fear, right, is fear of the dark. 
you know, mm. fear of fear of the fear of the dark. And I think the only fear there is is fear of the dark, right? It, it's it's not because you know the Wolfman is 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 in the dark is in the dark corner uh, of the room. You don't know what's in the dark corner. You don't know what's there. If you knew it was the Wolf Gang or the Wolf the, the Wolfman, um, if you knew Dracula was in the dark room, I don't think you would be afraid as you are not knowing what's in the dark room, mm -hmm. even though it might be nothing. It's like you're you're more afraid of the dark room because you don't know what's in it than you would be a dark room if you did know what was in it and it was it, it was dangerous. It's right. like going going to going to this dark room where you can't see anything. Uh, and it's like, no, I'm not going in there. It's like going in this dark room. There's a, the wolf man's in there. It's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I think it waltz right in because it's like at least you know what the what the danger is and that takes the fear out of it. Well, and that's the thing is it's what an interesting thing about us that when it is dark, we assume that the unknown thing that we will find will necessarily be bad. Yeah. Right. right. And you're right. Like if we know the Wolfman or the Wolfman's brother, sorry, I just came back from fish shows. Yeah. Um, if we know that the Wolfman's going to be in there, we will go in. I mean, haunted houses are a thing. Yeah, People will right. willfully, not me, but <laughs> other humans, will willfully go into a house where they know there are going to be things that will scare them. But we don't assume in the dark that there could be something wonderful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. Again, going back to my, I really got a lot out of my vacation. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to the beach um, after dark, and I'm still not clear as to whether we were supposed to be on the beach at that point, but we'll move past that. Uh, details. Um, but we were on the beach, and it was dark, and so there was this little pit, bit of me that was like, whoa, this is a little spooky. Um, and I couldn't see very far. Um, but the unexpected thing that I did see was a shooting star. Ooh. Right? Um, beautiful, beautiful. But when I went out to the beach that night, I didn't think, oh, what if I see a shooting star? Well, you know? Yeah. It was, I don't know what I was expecting to see on the beach, really. But yeah, it's it's a weird thing. When faced with unknowns, why is it that we say, oh, what's going to happen? Not like, Ooh, what if something wonderful happens? Yeah, what if something wonderful happens? Yeah. And I think that just really does go back to, I say just like it's easy, you know, it's it's not. It just goes back to, it's like, there were things in the dark that were mm -hmm. dangerous a long time ago. And that's the brain you got, you know, it's like. And there still are, to be clear. And there clear. still are. Yeah. And, and that's the brain you got. And it's it's just doing its best to trying to keep you safe. Right? If somebody just said, hey, go in the dark room, there's cake. It's like, oh sign me up you know it's like <laughs> i'll be the first in there trying to find that cake um but but that's not what we get right and by the by the darkness i mean we we have the darkness that is present in the room in front of us and we don't know what's in there and that makes it scary we have the darkness of not knowing what's going to happen next you know that that makes it e equivalently scary you know yeah. um the darkness of space is equivalent to the darkness of time uh, I don't know if anybody's ever said that before, but it just sort of came to me. But it's sort right. of true, you know? It's like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Neither do I. We'll find yeah. out. Yeah. We'll find <laughs> what, you know, the only thing I can assure you is that it it's probably out of your control. So just roll with it. Mm -hmm. you know, just roll with it. Yeah. 
Because what's what's the alternative? Yeah, I know, lock yourself in your room all day. Yeah. Never do anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm very intimately aware of fear, not to the point that I'm going to like walk through all the fears that I have because we don't have that kind of, kind of time. Right. (laughs) Um, But I mean, you know, things like, oh, like, how is this going to end? What if this person, you know, abandons me or whatever? Like all the assumptions there are always like, it's this negative bias, right? Like, I don't know. Fear of going to the dentist. It's like the only bad thing that happened was nothing. I walked out 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later with clean teeth, you know, and a new toothbrush. It's like, why was I, you know, why was, why was I so hesitant to do this? What was, you know, what was all of that about? Because like, he was going to chastise you for going into rooms with cake in them. You know, that's the worst part. It's like, I don't appreciate being doctor shamed. It's like, just do what you got to do. And you don't need to tell me that I need to lose a couple of pounds. I know. Pardon me, I'll edit that out. But it's like, <laughs> but uh, it's it's like uh, I know I need to floss. Fine, just do your <laughs> do your dentist job, and I'll do my lay here job, and you know we'll all be fine. Yeah, it's uh... like you're afraid if you <laughs> fell from the cathedral that somebody would have been like, "See, you shouldn't have leaned on that banister." Shouldn't have leaned on that banister. It was rickety. Yeah, I don't like this. I didn't like it. You know, it's like, I, yeah, I was not a fan. Yeah, I don't always love the things that are height oriented, like roller coasters. I'm usually okay with, though uh, that particular one where the lady's like, "Yeah, you probably won't fall out. This will be great." Um, th- that did uh, bristle me. I, that was actually the last roller coaster that I was in. Yeah, you know, right. enthusiastic to go on that day. Uh, after the lightning started, I was like, oh, darn, I'd rather get electrocuted by the yeah. lightning than anyway. Fear is interesting, though. It is interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's getting the I'm not sure why the fear of heights is getting more. It seems to be I mean, it's not like rapidly getting worse, but I don't know. It's like the older I get, the more I just don't like it. Yeah. And maybe that's the, the more the older I get. The more I don't like it, so the more I avoid it. So the more I get used to not encountering it, which means the more that I don't like it when I do encounter it, you know, it might be part of a self-propagating yeah. sort of loop kind of thing. I don't know. I wonder, this This would be like to paint you in a very good light, but maybe, huh, which t- clearly I wouldn't want to do. Um, but I wonder, like, I don't know, the more I get grounded right? The less I feel uh, the compulsion to be, you know, flying through the air, right? Like, yeah, I wonder right. how much like the sense that being grounded is important. And when you're not grounded, like literally on a rickety, like, yeah, you spend so much of your life working on grounding that willfully leaving grounding behind seems it's not what you're conditioned to do it's anymore. Not, no, it's not what you're conditioned to do anymore. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So. Um, I'm all right with the ocean, uh, night or day. I don't like uh, lakes creep me out. Hmm. Lakes creep me out. And I think I do know why. How do you feel about rivers? Rivers are fine. Okay. Rivers are fine, right? We could have had a stopping still, point in our relationship it, there. It's, it's still, still potentially stagnant water. It's like, I don't know. I don't like it. 
Are you afraid of the uh, Loch Ness monster? I think I think it was the Friday the Thirteenth movies with mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was that. Spoiler alert. Um, there there are things in the lakes. I mean, I'm fine with you know Lord Cthulhu coming out of the abyss of the ocean. It's like I'm fine with that. I have no problem. But it's like there are creepy things in lakes that I just don't. And they're they're murky and still. And it's like I don't know. I don't like it. Hmm. It's like, hey, let's go swimming in the lake. I'm like, eh. eh. And then it's like, hey, let's swimming, let's go swimming in the ocean. There might be sharks. Hey, cool, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're good. <laughs> so it's like, you know, knowing there are sharks in the ocean is fine. Not knowing what's in the deep, mar- murky lake is, is significantly less fine. Yeah. You know, so my big thing with oceans really is jellyfish. Yeah, they hurt. Um, I've never been stung myself, but uh, some of them are, are are doozies. Yeah, not not in size, but in they can they can pack a punch. Yeah, um, when we were driving back from the beach, went over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, um, and then we were looking up this beach that we were like, "Hey, that looks like a good beach to go visit." And Eric looked it up, and it said, "Warning: High jellyfish presence." And yeah. I was like, "Nope." Right. I'm good. Yeah, there's a that's a that's a, a side effect of um, climate change. Actually, yeah. um, the the jellyfish, many jellyfish species are are stimulated into reproduction, high level reproduction uh, in warmer water, wow. warmer temperatures. Yeah, so expect more. They need to chill that out. Yep, yep. So it's like they they don't tend to they're not stimulated to reproduce as much in colder colder waters, but when the when the water gets a little bit warmer, they tend to go into these. Uh, reproductive blooms. This is why we have a biologist on this podcast. Apparently. <laughs> Expect more jellyfish. Um, the, and the you know, jelly- these little things we get off the East Coast are fine. You know, these little kind of Aurelia, yeah. kind of little, little jellies are kind of cute. I mean, they can still give you some welts, you know, if yeah. you, if it gets stung by one. Um, but uh, some of those off the coast of Australia, Urukanji, things like that will kill you. Yeah. Tiny but- little things that you can't see in the ocean that'll, you know, yeah, so let's all go to the yeah, ocean. So let's all go do that, right? Uh, but Australia's got more deadly things than anywhere else in history, though. So yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so fear, right? What do we do? Yeah. So um, again, you know, to kind of circle back, uh, you get to choose how you relate to the world, and that includes how you respond to fear. I think, right? You know, sure. And um, you do sort of reserve this right to make a decision on how you want to respond to fear mm-hmm. and, and um, what it's, and it, it is informative, like you said, right. What's going on here? You know, yeah. what's the basis of this? And, you know, it can lead to some self-discovery and it's not something necessarily to run away from. It's informative. Yeah. And what, what's unique about fear is that it informs you loudly. Mm-hmm. It's not like a whisper. <laughs> In your in your ear, it's like, hey, just so you know, something's going on. It's like, blah, you know, it's uh, it's 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 loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the awareness there, like fear, spending some time with fear and understanding it, you know, understanding fear helps you to navigate it, right? Yeah, like, right. um, I'm not one for like thinking everybody should just go go face your fears emerging yeah, therapy right. or whatever power through um, or whatever but i think do like spending time being aware of like what are the properties of the sphere how does it manifest 
What does it feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? Like all of that's good work to do. Um, and the, like I used to just try to block it out or numb it or, you know, basically just run from it all the time. Um, but getting to know it um, makes it a lot easier to navigate, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And getting familiar with what it feels like. You know, just being able to say, ah, this is fear. This is what fear feels like. How does it show up in my body? Yeah. You know, what are the physical properties of it? So at least I can become uh, more comfortable and familiar with that. So at least yeah. it's not, it, you're not trying to navigate the physical sensation of it along with everything else that comes with it. Right. No, well, and like yeah, sometimes when I'm fear. trying to like cool. get really aware of my fear, I really like to play with like what's the worst that could happen to an absurd, ridiculous yeah. degree. Right. Like thinking of the absolute most ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Versions. Of- yeah. They would have to close St. Paul's Cathedral for probably for days. Inconveniencing the local populace tourists mm-hmm. um like the tuck pointers or whoever fixes the roof i have no idea <laughs> i'd yep. ruin the i'd ruin the painting the hundred uh-huh. year old painting on it's like it would be so inconvenient for everyone you'd probably be, also have to reschedule your flight back it would be super embarrassing yeah i would have to reschedule right. my flight back yeah. it would be really 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 inconvenient there might everyone. be paperwork to do oh gosh oh, my god People would be look at me, and they'd be like, oh, "Look at that guy!" Everybody'd be standing around. Yeah, it'd be a, a spectacle. A spectacle. Yep. Mm-hmm. The I'm people behind you in line wouldn't get to go all the way up, right? I They'd know. probably be told to walk back down. They probably effort. would, and it's like, it's just not. It's easier just to not go up the stairs. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, every time you play out, what is what is the worst that can happen? It it somehow always ends up being like thermonuclear war or the earth is destroyed in an apocalypse or aliens invade or you know the the world is literally going to end because that is what fear feels like it feels like the world is going to end uh sometimes and eh, it hasn't yet yeah but it's scary yeah, fear is scary. So that's yeah, the, the quote of the day. The quote of the day, yeah. Um, <laughs> that and uh, if you're alive, you can listen to this podcast or something. <laughs> or if you're listening to this, you're still alive. We recommend we, this podcast for humans who are still living. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> And if what we talked about earlier comes true, it might become very popular with the non-living as well. But we'll, we'll get to, <laughs> we still got some things to figure out with that one. Um. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's scary and it's it's not easy. And so we're not saying that this is how you make fear go away and this is how you make fear easy. It's always a challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. But you can it, it's not immune to uh, awareness and no. familiarity. It it too can can fall under the umbrella of uh, how you respond to yeah. the world and your ways of being. You know, it's not immune. Well, and I think fear is a component of your way of being. Mm, like, mm-hmm. you know, there there are some people very defined by their fear. There are other people who are practically fearless. And I think that has its own set of issues. It does. Um, you know. It, it does. Yeah, it so, does. you know, it's not as though we're saying, like, 
go live a fearless life. No, thank you. Please drive the speed limit. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, you know? I'm, I'm afraid of going down the highway at 150 miles an hour. That's because it's stupid and you're probably going <laughs> to die and kill someone. So you should be afraid of that. And if right. you're not, I wish you were. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So much Some so that it prevents you from, from doing yeah. that. Yeah. But I think about, I think it's useful to understand how fear shapes your way of being and how that relates to you know, just existence and the way you relate to your own life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure. And that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, there it is. There it is, folks. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, what are you afraid of, right? That's the, probably not the best question to ask folks, people's deep, dark secrets about what they fear. Well, I think we did that one on the one episode where we talked about the fact that you don't like to shower in the dark and I'm afraid yeah. of being kidnapped. I don't like to shower in the dark. Um yeah. I don't like to shower in the dark. Uh, that's weird. It just creeps me out. Um, uh, we have a newsletter that we comes do. out each month. That is allegedly monthly. That is allegedly monthly. So far, that has happened for one month. Mm-hmm. And I I really do anticipate it happening again. So um, if folks listening would like to uh, sign up for the newsletter, it'll show up in your inbox around the beginning parts of the months uh, in your email. You can go to the website. And you can sign up for it there and all kinds of fun tidbits uh, you can find within that newsletter. Little this, little that. Indeed. Bits and bots. That's cool. Cool. Dig it. Yep. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sherry. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul podcast, yes. 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 Cool.